When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. And welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who can't make any promises about this conversation being any less ranty than the first time we talked about tonight's character deep dive. But at least they're all for different reasons. And I'm Vervada, the girl who had a hard time understanding tonight's character. And I'm still not decided on if I like this romance or not. We'll see how I feel at the end. If you're new here, welcome to the beautiful chaos. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of fucking. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters using specific in-game dialogue. So if you want to stay spoiler free, then this isn't the podcast for you. So, here's your fucking spoiler alert. Thanks for the spoiler alert, N7. And just like with all of our previous episodes, we'll assume you have some background knowledge of the game and character in question, but we'll be providing context for those of you who may be unfamiliar. In today's episode, we are in the thick of the Reaper invasion. Things are looking grim, but luckily for us, we have Lieutenant Commander Ashley Williams from Mass Effect 3 on our side. Apart from Rex, no one else is as solid a tank of a berserker in your party the way Ashley is. Today, we're romancing this somewhat controversial soldier and defending the galaxy from the Reapers. Right now, we need you back on your feet. I'll be back. And first order of business is to shove their metal tentacles right up there. Uh, I mean, I'll fight with honor and courage, sir. Roger that, Elsie. I love the Elsie. I like Elsie way better than Skipper. Yeah. Well, Skipper's special for the captain of the ship. That's what you call him. And I like Elsie because in the Navy, when you've got a lieutenant, you call him LT all the time. So that really tracks, makes it feel real. Mm -hmm. You first encounter Ashley on Earth prior to coming before the Alliance, where Shepard is pleasantly surprised to see her promotion. Ashley seemed uncomfortable to see Shepard, unlike Caden, who seemed more wistful. Ashley takes Caden's place if she survived Vermeer, so she helps you to evacuate Earth and go to Mars and seek the Prothean data on the Crucible. Ashley, like Caden, 
still shows some mistrust of Shepard after they fought some Cerberus troops on Mars. Ashley is still her same old boisterous bruiser self. Other than her rank and her appearance, not much seems to have changed with her. Yeah, and speaking of her appearance, I got a bone to pick with her glow up. This is my personal thing. I know that Jen feels differently, but I much preferred her appearance in the first two games. I think it was way more believable for a career military woman. I'm not against wearing makeup and uniform. I always did when I was in the military. My big issue is her hair being down, honestly. At the length that it's at, it will impede putting her helmet on and taking it off. And like, how does she fight with it getting in her face all the time? It's way too glamazon for me, and I honestly feel like they only did it so they'd have another hot human woman in the game besides Miranda, seeing as she's not that involved in the third game as long as Ashley survived for Meyer. Then you've got one more hot human woman. She just doesn't look like who she is supposed to be, I guess. Like, I just think it's too fancy. And I take this completely differently, but that makes sense because I don't have that military background. My femship is hair down in a dress the moment I can be. If the illusion of the game is that I am Shepard, I am this character, I make her act like me. If there were a vanilla messy bun, tight jeans, and an oversized hoodie, that would be my Shep. But within the confines of the game, the best way for me to show my personality is the Kasumi dress. So I put that one on and then I wear the little black N7 dress in three. So my headcanon is that Ash, she's my Shep, my dolled up and glammed out girl, and says, oh, I can do that too. I can be out of my armor and my hair down. I can look beautiful and still be respected. And for in-game context, or for canon bros, we see Ash on base on Earth. We know that she was speaking to the council, but that doesn't mean that she was speaking with the Alliance. So her not being in full military uniform makes sense to me. Then Mars happens. And then we will get here soon, but after that, she's no longer in the standard Alliance military. She's Spectre status, so she doesn't have to maintain her Alliance appearance. And rant one. I obviously have thoughts about that still. (laughs) Right? Okay, y'all should see, like, the comments that we put back and forth on our script about this. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, and Yuri Cat, I see in the comments, I don't think she needs to appear masculine to be taken seriously. That's not my issue at all. I just have the extra thing of she's in the military. There are uniform regulations. When she's a specter, sure, whatever. When she's, if she's not on duty, sure, but, like, it's literally just a practical thing of, like, her hair is going to get caught in the seal of her helmet. That is why men need to shave in the military because of gas mask seal. It's not to look all uniform and stuff, although that's part of it. But it is there are practical reasons why you have grooming standards in the military. And, and I just don't think her hair. switch her to the Liara face mask style. They got rid of the necessity of having her in a head. I know. I still feel like the face mask helmet, though, like, his face is cold. Like, how do you not freeze to death? Like, I just think, did you ever see um, Love, Death, and Robots on Netflix? That one where her arm and she breaks it off and chucks it to get momentum to get back to her. That's all I can think of. Like, her head is just going to explode from becoming an icicle with wearing that helmet. Like, I don't understand the physics or the science. All I know is I liked it better when she was in a bun. It just, or short hair. Like, Shepard's hair that's down is all pretty much shoulder length, which is fine. 
but I know it's not the real military. We can do that. I'm just bringing my own thing into it. I get it. Yeah. And I'm bringing my own thing to it. That's why we work. All right. So speaking of Ashley's appearance, Ashley is also shocked to discover what Cerberus has done to their human troops. Her dialogue about this is different than Caden's, as you'll hear in just a second. I think a lot of people think because Caden and Ashley are foils and you only get one or the other, that their contributions to the game are basically the same. They are in some ways, but they have their own characters. So the way the story is told is through a different lens when you have Ashley in your party rather than Caden, or vice versa. If I can... Oh. Oh, God. He looks like a husk. Yeah, not quite. But they've definitely done something to him. Engineered by Cerberus? They claim to stand for humanity, and they do this to their own people. That could have been you, Shepard. For all I knew, that's what Cerberus had done to you. How can you compare me to that thing? I don't know what you are. Not since they got their hands on you. Is it really you in there? Do you even know? I mean... Could they be controlling you? Ash. I'm just talking out loud. I don't need you to answer. I, I doubt there's anything you could say to convince me. I guess I just need some time to get to know you again. To find the guy I used to love. I'm the same person I always was, Ash. And I want you with me. Wherever this takes us. That's what I needed to hear. It was cute. I liked that. I think Ashley sounds sad and hopeful in this scene rather than angry and then cautiously optimistic like Caden. I think it takes Caden a lot longer to come around to the idea that Shepard didn't change and they aren't just some Cerberus puppet. It tracks with what we know of each character. Ashley is more prone to faith and Caden is more prone to reasoning. Ashley takes a while to change her mind, and she doesn't necessarily have to see something to believe it, but she has to feel it. She goes with her gut. Caden takes in everything he sees and hears and weighs it against what he knows and feels. So while it took Caden a bit longer to know that Shepard wasn't a Cerberus puppet, it took Ashley a bit longer to accept her alien companions. Once she's there, though, she's there for you. And we'll be getting into the whole... Ashley is a spaced racist controversy later on in the episode. But suffice it to say that the Ashley we reunite with in Mass Effect 3 is older, wiser, and more tolerant. As the party is leaving Mars, Edie's future body attacks and puts Ashley in the hospital, just like she did with Caden. So until she is recovered, you can only visit the hospital every so often to check in on her. And again, please buy her a book before she goes crazy. It's a really sweet bonding moment, and honestly, a much better gift than what you get for Caden. Like, who buys wine for a dude lying in a hospital bed? <laughs> it seemed in poor taste. Right? Uh, Ash will recover, and she will be made the second human specter. And eventually, she'll be back aboard the Normandy. So... Just to give you a comparison, we've got the audio of what Shepard says to Ashley while she is still unconscious coming up. But I have to say that the Caden version is much more emotional and dramatic. Ash. Hey. 
It's Shepard. I should have known you'd pull through. You're stubborn. Always were. Scared me pretty bad back there on Mars. I just wanted to check in on you. See how you're doing. Despite all this, it's good seeing you again, Ash. Get some rest, okay? I'll come by when you're feeling better. We'll talk. You need anything, Doc. Let me know. Okay. I better get back to it. I'll see you soon. It just kind of sounds like he's talking to anybody he's friends with. It doesn't doesn't scream like Ashley's my special person to me. I think Femme Chef's audio when she was talking to Caden in the hospital, romanced or not, she was clearly talking to someone she cared for and trusted. Like he kind of just sounds like a commanding officer making the rounds for his troops. But like, I, I don't know. It just wasn't as emotionally connected, which I kind of think is a bummer. But it's still good. I still like that he took the time to check on her while she was unconscious. And it's during her time in the hospital, after she wakes up, of course, where she accepts Udina's offer to be the second human specter, just like with Caden. And she'll continue to rest and recover. Ashley will also tell you that her family from Earth has made it onto the Citadel, but her sister Sarah's husband was killed in action. We've said this before. No one's left unscathed from the invasion. I also want to take a minute here and throw some shade. I am all for personal expression, and I am here for sexy modding. There are some games that I have enhanced to be more to my liking, and even some of the mods that are more extreme can be fun too. I'm not the type to mod in nude armor so all your squatties run around tits out and dick swagging, but for a fucked up fun zone or a non-cutscene side mission, go for it. The one outfit mod that I will wholeheartedly disagree with is in the hospital scenes. Battered and bruised, one where she is literally unconscious, I found a mod to make Ashley topless. The mod has two versions. One takes her top off and puts her in her romance bra, and the other takes the bra away completely and adds nipples. I think it's disrespectful to have her in just a bra in this scene and reprehensible to have her exposed with the mod. I really didn't like the fact that Caden was topless in this scene either. Like, Ashley is in a shirt. I think they could have done that to Caden too. Or a tank top. Or even like mummy-style wrapped bandages would have been better. But please, don't mod nudity into a hospital scene. End rant number two. There are some good moments too, though. In between the bad ones. Some sweet with the salt. If you've previously romanced Ashley, she will continue to wonder about the status of your relationship. The sexual and romantic tension between the two of them is heavy, and Ashley has never been one to leave things unsaid, or just hope it all works out in the end. Nope. She's a fighter. And she's also not afraid to voice her feelings out loud. She is brutally honest, and that is sometimes annoying, 
but often it's refreshing. Ashley will directly ask Shepard about their relationship while she's still in the hospital, showing that she still thinks about their time together three years ago. But where do we stand, Shepard? Did we cut all ties? Ash, it's always been you. When we didn't see eye to eye, I gave you as much time as I could. That's done now. I'm not doing this without you. I need you. I... Shepard, damn it, you sure know how to sweep a girl off her feet. You're already lying down. Romantic moment? Destroyed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. I needed something good. It's been rough. Aw, we got a cute bro Shep laugh. I love hearing laughter in this game. With so much doom and gloom, love, laugh, tequila is exactly what this crew needs. <laughs> yeah, I liked the little laugh. That was just funny. I think some of Ashley's lines are really funny and they do a good job capturing the ridiculous way people talk to each other in the military. As a chronic console gamer, I never knew about the topless mod for her in the hospital or any of the mods, really. I definitely think that is a very bad look to want to sexify her during her hospital stay when she looks all beat up like that. Super gross. I definitely agree on that about Caden, too. I meant to say something last episode about it, and I didn't. So let me say it now. Weird freaking place to thirst trap the player. Caden shouldn't be shirtless, and neither should Ashley in their hospital stays. Agreed. I also found this episode a little difficult to write. I kept comparing scene by scene to Caden. But that's not fair. They are their own separate people with their own relationship styles. It's so different. So I'm going to try and not do side by side comparisons anymore. After I talk about this next scene. It's the jealousy hospital scene. I like the bro options a lot more than I do the femshep ones. Okay, so I'm going to play three clips here in rapid succession, but I'll explain them all. We didn't talk about the Caden jealousy lines, but these ones are funny and I had to share them. So I'm going to play the opening of the tally conversation and then compare it to Jack and then Miranda. It lets us see that she's trying to learn how to explain her emotions more. So here's Tally. But where do we stand, Shepard? Did we cut all ties? A lot has happened, Ash. But I'd like to work this out. I'm surprised. Why? I just heard you and Tally were a thing. Look, it's okay. Tally's like a sister. I totally approve. Not that you needed my approval. Hey, it's okay. Look, maybe this was a bad idea. Shepard, wait. I'm all messed up right now. What's going on? I really like what she says about Tally. Yes, it hurts her, but Ash knows Tally and understands what Shep sees in her. Mass Effect 1 Ash has grown and sees the Corian as a sister. Personally, I'd be more pissed off if my lover left me for my sister, 
But I guess I would also want to see two people that I care about happy. The part after that, when she goes like, my brain's all messed up, it's because she's then explains that she's got family back on Earth and hasn't heard from them. But here we go. Now here's the same little part where Ash calls out Jack. Ash didn't know Jack, but I feel like Ash, Jack and Ash would actually get along. Both are pretty brawly, and their combat styles would totally complement each other. I'm surprised. Why? Just thought your taste had moved on to wanted criminals with shaved heads. You mean Jack? Hey, I'm not judging. Whatever generates your Mass Effect field. Okay, I'm gonna use that line somewhere. Whatever generates your Mass Effect field. I- right, I'm not judging, but I'm judging freaking convicts with shaved heads as F. And here is what she says about Miranda. With the reaction on Shep's part completely different. It's the same response as with Jack, by the way. And I just didn't want to play the same dialogue twice. But here is what I wish my femme Shep could say. I'm surprised. Why? Miranda Lawson? Ring a bell? What about her? I wear armor into battle, not swimwear. I'm a real person, Shepard. Flaws and all. Not sure if that's your thing anymore. Hang on. You walked away on Horizon, not me. It was pretty clear you were done with me. I was hurt and angry. I needed a connection with you and you shut me out. And now you're angry because I moved on? No, you don't get to be angry about that. I can be angry about whatever the hell I want. Fine. I can see this is pointless. Take care, Ash. Shepard, wait. I'm all messed up right now. What's going on? That scene is so believable. I freaking love that. You know what? Yeah, you left me on Horizon. What was I supposed to do with that information, Ash? That was good. That was for real. Also, that highlights an aspect of Ashley that I don't like about her. And that is the fact that she is the most pick-me-ass bitch in the entire trilogy. She always has to... We're going to talk about this later. But she she always has to like put down other women to make herself look better. She gets a little bit better with that, I guess. There's like some select women that she approves of, like Tally. But like she had to go after Miranda mainly about her looks and what she wears. And it's like, no, honey, we don't do that. We don't put other women down for our own sexual needs, okay? Yeah. Anyway, now that I'm done with that, I guess she eventually gets better. Better as in physically better out of the hospital. <laughs> gets her armor back and becomes the second human specter. Yay! Then Cerberus invades the Citadel. And then Ashley is tasked with protecting the counselors. Newsflash, who Adina is working with Cerberus. So... Just like with Caden, you'll soon find yourself face-to-face and gun-to-gun with Ashley, trying to convince her that Udina is a traitor. Wow, we never saw that coming. What a twist. What a twist. (laughs) It depends on how you interacted with her in the past, on if you can keep her alive past this scene. But we're romancing her, so of course she lives. And we'll meet Shepard on the docks before he boards the Normandy again. This is where she can come aboard the Normandy, which is obviously what we are doing. We are not keeping her as a war asset. 
Ash will take up residence in the starboard observation deck and is kind of quiet for the rest of the game, unless you're romancing her. It's kind of a bummer, actually. But at least we're romancing her for now, so you can hear some of the enlightening things she has to offer. Ash? Oh. What have we here? Oh, sir. I'm off duty. Your voice? Sir, not so loud. Please, thank you. Why are you curled up on the floor? Am I... Oh, my head... So heavy. Can't move. Ah. Enjoy your evening? I'll be back to work in 30. Maybe 40. I swear. Just give me 45 minutes. How did you end up in this sorry state? Just wanted to let off some steam. Vega said he had just the thing to take my mind off stuff. And did that thing come in a bottle? Yes. This empty bottle? It's empty. Oh boy. You know, I think it might be time to test the fire alarm. I'll pay you a million credits not to do that, sir. Two million, and we have a deal. (sighs) You're a damn space pirate. I could order Joker to sing to you over the comm. I hate you. I hate you... Sir. As you were, Williams. I love it. Oh my gosh. That's so good. I do like that. Because, to me, those are the shenanigans, man. Those are what you remember. I just... (laughs) Like, Ashley, girl, you're a mess. Are you you off-duty? Or are you back to work in 30, 40, maybe 45 minutes? Can't be both, hun. You're on duty or you're off duty. This scene is some much-needed comic relief, though. Ashley is clearly a soldier who works hard and plays hard. I think she's really good at living in the moment. And like we said in her Mass Effect 1 episode, she is the stereotypical juggernaut of the party in all aspects of the word. Except, of course, she is a woman instead of your typical bear man. I guess that inverting that trope is just refreshing enough to not make her a gross character. But she does some things that I take issue with. Case in point, this audio clip. We had something before. A long time ago. Something important. You've seen me at my worst. Totally embarrassing. You were there for me when my baby sister was suffering. I've held a gun in your shepherd. I'm just saying, we've been through a lot. I have to know. Are we going somewhere? I want more, Ash. I can't see myself with anyone else. That's good. I'd hate to have to punch out whichever table-dancing tart is throwing herself at you this time. Such a romantic. You love it. Remind me. Yes, sir. (sighs) Yeah, as I've said... Like a minute ago, I take issue with women throwing other women under the bus, like, or just anyone doing it to anyone, really. Don't be such a pick-me, Ashley. Ash. He already said he can't see himself with anyone else. This kind of behavior is gross to me. But it is believable for her character. She is the masculine woman to Caden's feminine man, 
And stereotypical behavior for a masculine woman is to behave aggressively and step on other women to make it in a man's world. I have seen plenty of these kinds of women in real life and in fiction. I'm just hoping that we will not feel the need to put down others for our own advancements as time goes on. I don't like that she is clearly calling out the strippers here either. And let's not same sex workers again, Ash. Oh, yeah. Did you forget that she talks shit about the dancers in Chorus Dan in Mass Effect 1 and the drooling men who like to watch? But at least it's character consistency, and it's believable that she feels the same way a few years later. I also see how this is her defense mechanism. She opens up and asks a straightforward question. Where do we stand? And the flood of relief that must have washed over her when he said, I love you. It's too vulnerable. Too much. Mm-mm. I would have liked it if she had gone with her version of showing emotion and used a line from Act 1, Scene 1 of A Midsummer Night's Dream. The course of true love never did run smooth. I feel like it would have fit perfectly and said everything without having to make what I heard as an Asari slut chain comment. But in any case, that was the romance lock-in scene. Just like with the other romance options, this happens on the Citadel, and after this, the other romance options are blocked. I think that shooting bottles at the top of the Presidium, or eating a nice meal together at a cafe, are more romantic lock-in scenes, but it is very much in line with how their relationship is. They are far more lighthearted, yet fiercely protective of each other. I'm not here to judge your love languages, Shepleys. Which I found Shepard and Ashley are called Shepleys. That's cute. <laughs> That's cute. I love a couple names. Alright. But before we manage- finish the mission, though, we need to take a quick mid-break to hear from our sponsors, talk about some fun facts, and thank our patrons. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. If you told me that Butt Cheek Beach was a Mario Kart course, I'd believe you. You know how when you're hanging with your buds and the conversation takes a nosedive into vehemently arguing things about fictional worlds that don't matter? Well, Debate This is a show that tries to recapture that magic. The first time we meet Wario, I'm pretty sure, is in the second Mario Game Boy game. And I think his whole shtick is like, he's stealing shit. That doesn't mean he's anti-union time. <laughs> It's like two parts barroom debate, one part show and tell, and one part horrific thought experiment. He is certainly not stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. <laughs> if anything, Mario is a blue-collar worker, and he's stealing from Mario. Mario Mario is a centrist, and we all know that. Mario is upholding the monarchist state of Mushroom Kingdom. You cannot tell me that Wario is not anti-fascist. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you download podcasts. Yeah, I'm going to think about Wario being anti-fascist for a while. Go ahead, Todd. <laughs> 
Fun facts. According to developers, Ashley is Hispanic. It's almost impossible to tell given her name isn't traditionally Hispanic in any way, and visibly she's racially ambiguous at best. But that is her canon background. It also explains that why her drink of choice is tequila, and why Mama can dance. But I might also have the Latina bias on that one. We said it in her first episode, but Ashley is voiced by Kimberly Brooks. What you might not know is that she was the Dalish mage Lanya in Dragon Age Origins, and more recently in the animated series Dragon Age Absolution, as lead Lady Elf Miriam, which I finally watched two nights ago, and it was amazing. You just watched Dragon Age Absolution? Yeah. Uh, I'm so proud of you. It's good, huh? It is. It's really good. Yeah, y'all should watch it. And Kimberly Brooks has also gone on from Mass Effect to have a very successful video game voice acting career. She's appeared in games such as Batman Arkham Asylum, Halo 4, Bioshock Infinite, Final Fantasy 15, and many others. And also I found out while looking up Ashley Fun Facts, there was supposed to be like this subplot for the third game where the elusive man pitted Shepard and Ashley against one another in like this kind of Saren versus Shepard battle from the first game. Shepard became indoctrinated and Ashley had to take Shepard out. But given that she is dead in many players' playthroughs at this point, whether from Vermeer or from shooting her in the Cerberus coup, they dropped that subplot. But that could have been cool. Definitely. Hmm. All right. We got a new review from Bone Chillin' uh, via Apple Podcasts, I believe. I can't see. Um, okay. Five stars. Yes. It is? Okay. Five stars. Hosts are friendly, easy to listen to, and informed. This podcast is phenomenal. Worth a listen if you like RPGs and well put together. My favorite thing to do while working now is to put on an episode of this podcast as it makes me feel like there's a fun chat about something I'm passionate about going on around me. Sadly, I've binged this too quickly and I have to wait for Monday for new episodes. Sorry. However, because of your constant shout outs to the Mass Effect Lorecast, I've begun binging that show now too. Thank you for making my work nights so much better. Aw, and thank you, Bone Chillin'. And I noticed that you joined the Discord and everything. So welcome to the ship. Welcome to the fam. And we hope to see more of you around. Yeah, and if you get through the crap ton of Mass Effect Lorecast episodes that are out already, there's a whole network of nerdy stuff on the Robots Radio, and all of the shows are good. So we highly recommend them all. We just constantly talk about Mass Effect Lorecast. And Dragon Age Lorecast. I feel like those two are the ones, because we've reviewed so many of those romances already, we, we talk about them a lot. And of course, thanking our Amazeball patrons. Thank you and big huge shout outs to Toasty and Apollo, Mystheos and Wynn, Bat Knight and Lizzie, Becky and the Cups, Cloudy and Barrier Fright. You guys are amazing. And we thank you so much for your continued support. Big love, Major Hearts. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much.
All right, Jen. Are you ready to get her done? Go home? Actually, I'm not. I'm going to pull an interrupt here and play one more scene before I head to the commander's quarters. I feel like Ashley's biggest character development is in the scene with her sister. While it's not romance-locked, it brings an inside look into who she really is. It's a scene where Ash tries to use her words, but is worried that she'll get them wrong. It happens before you get to the scene at Apollo's Cafe that we just listened to before the break. Shepard, thanks for coming. I wanted to be here for you, Ash. It's tough to see her go through this. There I go again. I hope Sarah can find some peace here. I'm glad I can be here for her. She wanted me to say something about her family. You'll get through this. You need to be strong for Sarah now. You're right. I'm so proud of her. She's no career soldier, but there she is, coping with all this. Reminds me of Dad. Whatever was going on, he put a smile on his face for us. Your family made you what you are. He did his best with four daughters and a strong life. He always said, live fire exercises was good prep for facing his girly horde. Your sister's waiting. You'll be fine. Right. Here we go. What do you think, V? Okay, I was so on board with that whole scene up until a certain point. I'll talk about how I felt before that certain point first. I really liked it. I mean, it was... it. I think it's, it's good because, at least as far as I can think of right now, Ashley's sister is the only person you really... Like, from your companions... Oh, well, Miranda's sister, too. But, like of like the civilians that you're protecting, like you physically get a name and a face and some personal connection to someone on your crew. Like we hear other companions talking about their family, but we don't really see them the way that we do with this. So I think it was a nice way to connect like the real cost of the war, the people you're trying to protect and the people you're trying to avenge, etc. Um, And it's, it was hard to hear, Ashley cry like you know like she's very emotional and obviously for good reason it's hard to see your friends or your lovers or both in this case suffer like that the the only part that I I lost it completely I was it took me completely out of it when she's like tearfully like my father always said shooting guns (laughs) prepared him for women (laughs) I was like what the fuck when I first heard that I've shot guns before because I was in the military and not once have I thought, yes, I am prepared to face children now. Like, what? (laughs) What the heck does that mean? But yeah, okay, so that is a little bit weird. But I think that it also brings to like kind of like who her dad is and who she looked up to Mm -hmm. and who she admired and where her sense of humor comes from. So yeah, yeah, she was saying it in like, I, maybe it was a funny moment for her in her childhood but because she was crying when she said it. It didn't sound like it. It sounded like he was really, and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, yeah, you have to focus and concentrate when you're shooting a gun at a target. But like, there's so many other ways to practice 
and be prepared for raising children or a gaggle of females, as I'm sure he thought of them. Like, you know what I mean? There's there's so many other ways to be focused and concentrate and, and in the military even, or just in life than just shooting a gun. So it's just like a weird, I don't know if they chose that because it was like the most military thing they could think of, of like this, they're trying to really drive home that this is a very military forward. It's important. It's part of their family culture is being an Alliance soldier. So I don't know if that's what they were trying to do with that. But to me, it just sounded so, so crazy and out there. I was like, well, that's such a weird thing to say to your kid. But I don't know. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that I'm ready now to just shut up and kiss her. Everything's ready, Shepard. What about you? Are you ready? Let's get it done and go home. We're not getting off that easy, Ash. <laughs> no. We looking at a rough ride. Ash, I get what you're trying to do. Hey, no brushing me off. Talk to me. What's going on? I'm looking for any advantage we can use. Anything that'll help. The Reapers. They're not like any enemy we've faced. This isn't just some firefight. It's bigger than that. And it's on us to turn back the tide. And we will. Sure, we haven't faced them like this before. But the same is true for them. We'll win this. You're pretty damn sure of yourself. <laughs> damn straight. I couldn't do this without you, Ashley. When I first met you back on Eden Prime, I saw a woman who never gave up. You lost your company, expected no help, and there you were, fighting an invasion single-handed. You don't need to say anything, Shepard. No, I do. I love you. I doubted you want Shepard, and I lost you. That's not happening again. Just shut up and kiss me. This is so good. The kiss fades to black, and we next see Ash in such a beautiful, come here, hero man. <sighs> Propped up on her elbows, one knee bent as the camera pans up her body, and then action. She leans forward and pulls her man down. It's not clear what she grabs at, but I have a pretty clear vision in my head. What better way to bring him closer than to bring him closer? No crawl needed. Shep knows exactly what he is going for. The camera is so close, just over his left shoulder, looking right at Ashley's face. It is such a deep kiss. And her hand reaches up to touch your face. And there's a heartbeat breath, a moment of love in her eyes that turns to lust when she uses her strength to push that shoulder and flip Shep onto his back. More passionate kissing, and while she is on top, it fades to black. I do have a theory but it's really is brought up more in the Citadel DLC than it is in this main game. So I'll talk about it then. But 
I think that these two have a very healthy, a very nuanced dynamic going on. I, for one, am here for these two. <sighs> okay. I will let V take one of my cons, mainly because she wrote it in her script before I wrote it in my breakdown, but know for a fact that I feel the same way. But one of my biggest issues that I have with this scene is that all of the human women that we see in this state of undress all wear the same bra and matching underwear at all times. Miranda in two is wearing the same lacy black bra. Femshep is wearing the same one in her romance scenes in two and again in three. And Ashley is wearing it here. Like, really? You can't even claim that it's an Alliance-issued thing because Miranda and Shepard were Cerberus back in two when you see them in bras. And I can only suspend my disbelief so far. Like, really? Who is the time to match color and style of your bra and underwear? And every person who has ever had to purchase these items knows exactly how outlandishly expensive expensive, a good supportive, yet still sexy bra is, and then the matching bottoms to go with them? Yeah, fucking right. It was in this moment that I remembered, oh yeah, these scenes probably weren't crafted by people who have to wear bras. <sighs> One more rant, and then I promise I'm done. I was searching for a better audio quality for their lock-in scene at Apollo's Cafe. And it doesn't exist. The subtitles show that Ash is talking, but it dips out and Shep talks over her instead. It makes the scene feel disjointed and the line falls flat. I checked both the OG trilogy and Legendary Edition. Same audio glitch. I also noticed graphically that she glitches her body too. Her eyes roll back into her head during the jealousy lines in the hospital. I watched more videos this week than I have for any other character so far. I had to rewrite a portion of the script because in my brain the modded ash in a bra in the hospital became the new normal. I legitimately spent four hours straight working on researching and scripting yesterday and my overall conclusion is that ash got done dirty on several different levels. You know what? And rant, whatever number it is, I lost count. <sighs> yeah, no, like your rant about the bra thing is so real. This might be a TMI, but I honestly don't care. I had a breast reduction like two years ago. And let me tell you, when it comes to buying bras, especially for women who are well endowed, as I once was, and Ashley and all the women in Mass Effect very much appear to be, those kind of bras, I mean, maybe in 2180 freaking six they do, but nowadays those bras just don't exist. They are starting to like be very pretty and supportive, but usually you kind of had to trade one for the other in the bra world and it kind of sucks ass, but and yeah. And then, and then they're like at that, at that size range and at that attractiveness range, they're, they're going to be at least $70 for one bra and they're not going to come with the matching panties. So have fun spending a fortune just to match all the other women that are banging Shepard. 
So I guess there's only one lingerie shop in the Citadel. I don't know. And um, the whole scene, like, I was actually surprised. This is the con that Jen was going to talk about. And then I guess I beat her to it because great minds think alike. But I was surprised at how short this scene is. Like, it felt short to me. Jen did the counting of the actual time. And I guess it's 26 seconds from fade in to fade out. Liara gets a full 30 seconds, which honestly, her scene felt way longer than 30 seconds for some reason. Caden gets 29 seconds. And then, of course, the rest of them get, like, nothing. Because you don't get to see them have sex, I guess. Yeah, no, literally nothing. Cortez, Garrus, and uh, Tally all get nothing. Cortez, you get to sit on the bed with him and kiss him, and then it fades to black. Mm-hmm. Rage, yeah. rage. What if they, I really wish we could have seen, because I want them, if they're really going to do this, they need to commit, and Cortez needs to be wearing matching underwear, too, that the women are all wearing. Like, everyone needs to be ma- wearing matching underwear for all the sex scenes. That's what I require. Okay, well... What if Garrus is wearing it? Oh, it'd be so funny. Bro and Caden wear matching underwear, if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> like no, my headcanon is that they're just like, oh, honey, I'm out of underwear. Oh, you can just take mine. And, like, they only own one kind, apparently. That's cute. As long as it's clean. Uh, all right. But. I was like, I really have to think about this on whether or not I would share underwear with a partner. You well, keep talking. It depends on the partner, thinking. I guess. Yeah. I wouldn't share with my husband because we would we don't wear like the same size and it, it would chain. I don't know. It would it wouldn't work. But like because they are similarly sized and have the same like packaging going on, they could make it work. I don't have another reason other than the lingerie shop. There's only one. That's why they all have to wear the same underwear. <laughs> That's my only response to that is that they either are sharing the underwear drawer or they're sharing the underwear store. But anyway, back to why this scene is so short and why I don't like it. Um, I just don't, I just don't like it. I wish there was more. It felt, it just felt short. Like we waited especially if you're romancing Caden or Ashley, like you have waited so long for this. If you romance them from the first game to this one, and then you get 26 seconds or 29 seconds. I don't know. They could have, they could have made it last a little bit longer, I guess. Um, also like, what does that say about Broship and his longevity? 26 seconds. Not cool. As for the romance, while Shepard says he loves her in this scene, I don't, really feel it in the same way that I feel it with the other relationships in the game that we've reviewed so far. They both, to me, still kind of feel like friends with benefits. Like, they definitely have a deep trauma bond going on, like they all do. But it doesn't feel like like there's that much of a romantic bond going on there. And I've thought about this a lot, and I think, I think there is a romantic bond there. It just, for me, it's hard to pick up on because of the way that they speak to one another. Like we get very precious few moments of true vulnerability from Shepard and only one from Ashley in this game, really. And we've yet to hear that clip, like romantically a vulnerable moment. A lot of the time, the way Ashley speaks makes me think that she's just not taking it that seriously. But like I said, I think it's just my personal preference going into it. I would prefer some more vulnerability in conversations where she isn't either making snide comments about other women or talking about kicking Reaper ass. 
kicking Reaper ass is important. It's like why we're here. But for this to really feel like a romance rather than an office fling, I kind of want some more verbalizing of their importance to one another. Ashley just speaks gruffly and bluntly all the time. And I do know that Ashley isn't the best with words. Like she even said it herself in the first game, which is why she uses Tennyson poetry to convey how she feels. Quoting poetry to one another is pretty romantic though. I really like that. All of the romances in this game do feel a bit desperate because the situation is dire. All of them are pretty sure they might die trying to stop the Reapers. And maybe this game isn't for the lasting romance. Maybe it's just for the connection in the moment. To feel less alone and scared. To feel good for a while. When I was thinking about this, I was like, not everything can be like taking Alistair's virginity in the camp with the beautiful romance music playing in the background, you know? That's my standard, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to get laid by a hot chick, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that there's a lot more to it. And I think that we do really have different opinions. And you know what? I kind of get her now. I understand that Ash doesn't know what to do with words of affirmation. She tells us in-game that her dad was a jokester and offered to help pack her bags when she threatened to run away, where some people would take that moment to get to the core of why she wants to leave through words. Her family responded with a hand wave and a laugh and wouldn't respond honestly until action was required. So like the clip that I played before the romance scene, it was the action of Shep showing up. It was the action of her being there for her sister. It was not knowing what words to say, but knowing what action to take. It took me a lot longer than usual for me to understand Ash as a person. It's not even that walls are up around her. But it's her personality that is, I may not be able to tell you how I feel, but I can show you. My actions will be the window into who I am and how I feel. And when I need to use words to convey them, I will use those that other people have used before. But now that I understand this, now that I can see into her actions, it makes this next scene and those that have come before even better. When she and Shepard are both able to find the right words to match their actions, right before the beam run in London at the end of the game, it's the last step. It's the last chance to say what's left unsaid. How are you holding up? Restless. Everything depends on this. Think we have a chance? There's always hope. That's how we got this far. And you made it happen, Shepard. You're the reason we're here. I've had people like you picking me up and dusting me off when I stumbled. I've lost count of all the times you've saved me. Almost as many times as you saved me, hero man. We've had some great fights, Shepard. And I'm not just talking about the ones on the battlefield. You always fought for what you believed in. You're a survivor, Ash. Always were. I hope you're right. Boldly they rode and well. 
into the jaws of death, into the mouth of hell. I don't want you to go. I love you, Shepard. I love you too. You ready? I'm ready. Then let's get it done and go home. Aye, aye, Captain. Yeah, that's the stuff. Give me the drama. I love it. I uh, also, you just saying that earlier, it helped me understand her a little bit more too. I'm, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm quite a wordy person. So people who aren't that good at words, it's harder for me to understand because I don't communicate through actions as much. I kind of do both, but I'm very wordy. Um, speaking of words, that quote that Shepard says to Ashley is from Lord Alfred Tennyson's poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade. Surprise, surprise. How romantic he's quoting her favorite poet to her also. The poem is about a Pyrrhic victory of the British light cavalry against Russian forces in what's known as the Battle of Balaclava in the Crimean War of 1854. It's a very apt quote for this moment in time of the Reaper War. To have a Pyrrhic victory is to have one at great cost to the victor, almost tantamount to defeat. And that's pretty much how this story ends, no matter which ending you chose. I also love how Shepard repeated, let's get it done and go home to Ashley. As she said, that's what she wanted to do back in his cabin before the culmination scene. I wish that Shepard could have gone home with Ashley. I wish we could have seen that. We know that even with the destroy ending and that tease of a last breath in the end cutscene, for all intents and purposes, Shepard is gone. I guess Ashley will now find solace in a different Tennyson quote. "'Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all." Okay, one last thought. Now that we have talked about Ashley, Caden, and Garrus, there is no way in fucking hell that they got on the ship. I'm sorry, but out of all of the squatties, those are the three that I feel would have told Shep to fuck off with their leaving bullshit and stayed right by their side until the bitter end. Ashley, who never backs down, who runs headfirst into battle and is ready to go home with Shepard or not at all. She is going to be the one drilling marauder shields in between the eyes at 100 meters. Caden who either just got his girlfriend back or was finally able to get with the man of his dreams, there is no way he is not throwing up a barrier bubble and running with Shep to the beam. And Garrus, whose whole world revolves around Shepard and the thought of Krogan babies on the beach, there is no way he knows how to accept it and leaves. Turians don't know how to duck and they don't know how to retreat. That, that is the one thing I would change about the endings of Mass Effect. And here's yet another week where I get emotional because of the love of all of these complex characters. <sighs> and that, lovely listeners, is where we would normally end our show. But tonight, we have a legendary guest. One who has appeared on our show to discuss his in-game girlfriends twice already. And a genuinely compassionate soul. So for the third time, 
but hopefully not the last. Welcome back to the show, N7 The Legend. Um, yeah. But you you brought the feels. <laughs> oh, did I? Did people like that? I, I get a little yeah, impassioned. They're calling you Scarlet Witch. There Me? we go. Ah, there's yeah. Sam. All right. Hello, Sam. Hello. Oh, you guys. Yeah, no, I don't know what it is. There's something. I mean, obviously, we all fucking love Mass Effect. And it, it's just, mm-hmm. I get really impassioned when I get to talking about it. And I've been waiting 68 freaking episodes to get to the point where we've talked about those three characters. And I could yeah. say that there's no way in fucking hell that they got onto the damn ship. I agree. I think it kind of sucked that they made Shepard do it by themselves at the end when you've had these people next to them that clearly stood by them through anything except for this. Doesn't I, I wish they would have done that too. But anyway, Sam. Sam, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. Jen said in the script that the last time we talked to you was 65 episodes ago. <laughs> oh my oh. gosh. Has it been that long well, about since Mass the Pan Effect. Am episode? No. no, about Mass Effect. Sorry. Oh, okay. Gotcha. No, no. Yes. Pan Am. Gosh, what was that in the 20s? Back <clears throat> in the 20s of our episodes? It was a while ago still. <laughs> it was quite it some time. Been. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm very happy to be back and talking about Ash again. Yeah. So, Ashley, we talked about her back on episode three of The Girls. And. It's been a wild ride since then, hasn't it? It has. It has. Um, you know, it's, well, in, in more ways, I'm sure it's been a wild ride for you both because that was how many episodes ago? More than a year, right? Mm-hmm. And it's been crazy for me, too, because I'm constantly learning more and more about Mass Effect since my show, you know, I get to zero in and focus on one game series, right? And I'm constantly learning more and more and more about it to the point where it feels like I don't have a canon playthrough anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and rewatching and re- or re-listening rather to a lot of those uh, conversations between Shep, Romance Shep and Ashley, it reminded me of what my mindset was like my first time through when I was romancing Ashley. So we discussed a lot of things about Ashley today. Did you learn or hear anything new? Uh, you know, I forgot about the line. I didn't I didn't learn it, but I I forgot about that line of Ashley saying, I don't want you to go. Oh. That one cuts you super fucking deep. <laughs> that yeah. one like hits you right under the ribs. And uh it's so reminiscent of this entire theme of Ashley having to say goodbye to men that she loves. She had to say goodbye to her father every time he shipped out. Mm-hmm. And she comes from a long line of military families that she, she'll tell you about families where the children often love a parent who's not there. And Ulysses is a poem about a mythical hero going out on one last adventure. Ulysses for all intents and purposes was Ash's father. It was also his favorite poem. And more likely than not, he spent many moments wishing that his father, General Williams, was there. So Ash also tells us that she recorded herself 
reciting that poem. This is back in Mass Effect 1, she tells us. But she recorded herself reading this poem to to her father every time that he shipped out. So there's this ongoing theme of men that she loves going away. And it happens again with Shepard in Mass Effect 2. He dies. And she has to come to terms with that. And two years afterward, he's back. And then she sees a ghost on Horizon who's now violating her deeply held beliefs and loyalty to the Alliance. And then Mass Effect 3 comes around and you get to this conversation, the final beam, and she says, I don't want you to go. And it's just like, it gets such a window, just that one line, because like you said, she's not too good with words. She's just not. But it's such a window into like her personality that she's finally breaking. She can't hold up the facade anymore, right? I know from a number of friends of mine who come from military families that oddly enough, the children of those who were in the military felt like they had to be strong for their parents. Mm -hmm. And Ashley, no doubt acts like it. And she, I think, I think she, she acts like she has to be strong, of course, for her team as well. And that applies to Shepard. And that gets in the way of so much open and vulnerable communication. And, uh, so yeah, I, I for totally forgot about that line. I don't want you to go. And I think that really applies to the scene with her sister in it, especially what you're saying about you have to be strong. Shepard even tells her that, like, you have to be strong for Sarah right now. Don't break down right now, Ashley, even though you're sad about it, too. You're feeling your sister's pain, but you have to be strong. And it's just another one of those tighten up the upper lip, soldier. Got to keep moving on. And it's like, no, please let these characters feel and express the emotions that they have. That's what I liked about the line too. It's like the one time that you really hear, like I, I mentioned it as like the one vulnerable moment from her, but I guess what I mean by that is like, that's the one time where she really opens for just a second and lets slip what she actually wants to do instead of just doing what she has to do or needs to do for whoever else is telling her. You know, like she's free with her words. Like she does, she talks back to Shepard. You know, she's blunt and honest, but not in the sense of like what she actually wants because she puts the needs of others above herself all the time. That's like what she's trained to do. Comes from her family line, I'm sure. She was raised to do that. And that's why I feel like that line hits so hard is because not only does Kimberly Brooks do a great job of sounding extremely upset and sad and and like as you said with connecting it to her childhood she really sounds like that little girl in that moment too you know and it's just it's also just ashley saying for the first time like no i don't want i don't want you to go but and, and it's has, innocent he has to yeah it's so innocent it's without pretense that she says that and pretty much everything else we hear is with pretense <laughs> so it's it's a stark contrast and yeah, props to Kimberly Brooks for the, the the fantastic delivery of that line. You know, I also learned, you know, I never heard how she approves of any ex-lover that Shepard had, like any anyone at all, because I had in my playthroughs when I romanced Ash, I had romanced Miranda and Jack and Mass mm-hmm. Effect 2. So I never knew that she wasn't going to be like fiery and jealous about it. Yeah, uh, the, the tally so, line surprised me. Like... 
especially because one, the way that it seemed like she didn't like Tally in Mass Effect 1, and then because it was yet another alien on the board, and then like Tally's basically a sister to me, and I would be happy if you two were together. I never expected that from her. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of wondered if it wasn't like the other two are human women also and she may see them more of competition but like tally also just her personality is so unassuming and gentle and kind whereas both miranda and jack are so abrasive like ashley is she might feel a little bit more of a kinship with them not only for being other human women but also just the way that they behave that she's just like did you try to replace me versus tally's a clear departure can we headcanon that Ash and Tally hung out while Shepard was dead? Like, they got together for drinks. I don't see how they could be that close. Otherwise, like, what? how else has she had all the time to get close to Tally in Mass Effect 3? Like, she's been passed out in the hospital. They were in a lot of late night Discord calls together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drinking tequila through... What are those called? Induction ports? Emergency induction yeah. ports. <laughs> you know, I also didn't know that Ashley talked shit on strippers, but I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, she has a conservative personality when it comes to self-expression, like we just said. And yeah, she's judgmental. Like, that's just... Like, there's no way around it. She is. And the stripper line in one was a little bit more at a dig at Caden for uh he needs to shut his jaw like pick your jaw up off the floor it was more of a so you think it was reactionary to men men's the male gaze yeah Mm. but table dancing tart is also not very nice (laughs) Uh, my first thought when she said that because like i know i know you jen were like is that a dig at liara like obviously maybe people's first thought would be and Asari because they're like mostly the strippers in the game. But I thought of Jack initially because she does dance oh. on the table in Citadel. But I know this happens before that happens, depending on when you play Citadel in your game. But like, that was my first thought I was like, she's the only person I've seen really dance on a table. Like, is this a playthrough where you romance Jack, but then that's in the main game. So that doesn't make sense because they wouldn't really call out DLC like that and pre-recorded audio. Blah, blah, blah. So I don't really know if she was, like who she was talking about i guess we could take it as whoever but i was just like girl i don't really like that i don't really like what, that look. what if that's a conditional line that you only get if you've been to the strip clubs in the games <laughs> that's what i wonder yeah it's so hard there's so many choices and different dialogue branches and some a lot of dialogue trees for mass effect one are mapped out but i couldn't find one for mass effect three because i was trying to figure out like how does does this is this how the line goes every time or is this like you said conditional but um without playing it through myself with who has time for that every week <laughs> to try and find where all of these lines pop up i just have to assume that's what she says every time but i guess that could lead us in the next one which is like are you do you think that there's anything that we missed talking about this romance or things that would have brought more depth to it in mass effect 3 uh, you know, I, you hinted at it a little bit, but I, I think she is a secret romantic. She's like, she's definitely romantic, but she has to keep it secret. And like the person forcing her to do that is herself. 
and of course military society she maybe maybe she has to hide it to appear more masculine to fit into that same kind of you know environment uh you know appearing less emotional maybe she's just insecure too uh, which would make sense with how she responds to previous romances uh, that Shepard has had in Mass Effect 2. Then, like, while we're on the topic <clears throat> of jealousy uh, and communication, you mentioned that she's not a great communicator, but I think it's her actions speak loud enough, as does her tone with Shepard, that I always felt like it was easy to see the subtext that she loved Shepard. So I, I do disagree with the perception that it's just this office romance. And even though she makes these snappy remarks sometimes, I don't think she's spiteful. I don't like if I were Shepard, I would never be afraid that because she was hurt, she was then going to purposefully try and go out and do something that would hurt me. Because I, even though she does have some issues with communication, even though she does make those jealous remarks, I don't, I don't think she's that immature. Yeah, I don't think she's immature. I guess it sounded like she was insecure to me, which I guess she has good reason to be because Shepard like died and then came back a zombie for all she knows. So it's just, it's just, she's so confident and, and sure of herself in every other way. And I know you can't be completely 1000% confident all the time for everything. So it tracks that this would be the area that she was insecure about. I just wish that her insecurity wouldn't like, manifest as putting other women down to try and make herself look better mainly to herself i guess i don't know but yeah i like i said i i think for me just the way she talks is just like not my cup of tea which is why i'm like it doesn't really feel that romantic to me because it's not like romantic in the traditional sense it's just that's the way she shows it that's why i had to think about it like i wasn't sure watching the videos listening to what she says it's like, I, I can tell that she loves Shepard. It's just like a weird way of showing love that I'm not used to, I guess. And I don't think that her putting down women is necessarily motivated by, like, jealousy of the women. I, f- from what I perceived, I think she just truly cares about Shepard that much, and she's afraid of losing him. And she also doesn't know how to communicate that. <laughs> so she doesn't feel comfortable being too vulnerable, And meanwhile, Shepard also has this stereotypical authoritative restrictions of those in the military where he's afraid to show vulnerability. And that's partly why I think the romance by the end of Mass Effect 3 is so beautiful. The world is going to hell around them. And as cliche as this is, right, the world's going to hell all around them. And they finally let go of all the shit that doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think it really did take the additional research, the additional looking into things like, and getting all the way through the episode for me to really understand Ashley, because even though for, because yes, I'm in the same boat as V where a lot of the way that I express emotion is through the words is through the things, but I also am a very action based person, you know, And uh, it just took me a while to see that from Ashley's point of view, because she is an actual, like, show up action person. Like, if you need me, I will be there. If you need to talk about something, I will be the one that you can talk to. And I will take all that information. I will be your sounding board. I will be your shoulder to cry on. 
it just took me a while to see that and recognize that in her because I think that there was a lot of preconceived notions surrounding her and I had to really take away everything that I had thought about her before and look at her with a truly blank set of eyes and that's when it finally clicked that you know what Ashley is action she and it's not the romantic lovey-dovey wordy bits she's your probably warrior yeah i just thought about it while you're talking and I, I think i finally realized why it felt not as romantic to me because she's so action oriented the only actions you have in this game are like fighting and you know what i mean like they don't have an opportunity unless you're using words to show your love like the others do more of it's not going to read necessarily as a romantic action when she's just like helping you out in the mission and like being there for you tactically in your cabin being like what's next what we got you know because it's like oh of course she's going to do that she's your compatriot right like it doesn't necessarily read as love when that's where she's coming from with it which i think is you know indicative of the game engine right like so much of romance and flirting and courtship in real life is nonverbal. Mm -hmm. So much of it is. And how many times have you been in a situation like both of you, but also all of the, all of the listeners, how many times have you been in a situation where you're maybe with a group of friends and you can just tell from body language that two of your friends have been fucking <laughs> and you're like, Oh man, I already know. Good luck trying to read body language like that in mass effect. Right. Because the engine just, you know, it wasn't there yet. And it's really hard to convey that nonverbal language to be able to we're, pick up and be like, hold on. Yeah. What's going on over there with you two? We're like just now coming to engines that can do that sort of thing with next gen consoles and, and like graphics cards and your PCs or whatever you got going on. But like, it's, it's very new stuff for games to do that sort of thing. I agree. Yeah, so that I think probably eliminated a lot of the possibility of communicating that Shepard and Ashley were really deeply smitten with each other, uh, even though they couldn't say it. Because how do you communicate a relationship where both sides feel like they need to uh, maintain decorum, but they are really interested in each other? Well, you have to do it non-verbally then. And if you don't, <laughs> then it's going to seem pretty stale. And right now in my head, I'm rewatching their culmination scene, like the dialogue beforehand. <laughs> and in that one, they start off, you know, Ashley is sitting on his table where like all the little model ships are and he's looking at the data pad. And then as soon as he moves and is walking away from it and is trying to like, you know, like, I don't know if I can go through with this. I'm still trying to make all the plans. She instantly moves and reaches out and touches his shoulder and is like, no, you're not going to walk away from me. You're, you're going to explain to me what you're feeling. And then he turns around and uh, she puts his ha her hand on his waist, holds him there, binds him with a physical touch of we are going to have this conversation. 
And then only when she starts feeling, you know, it's like, I lost you once and I'm not going to do it again, is when she reaches out with her other hand and then Shepard pulls her in closer. And so there there have been very slight little things that if you know what you're looking for, then you can see it. But it took me like four or five times watching the damn videos to try and figure out the subtleties. And there it was in that in that scene you quoted that, you know, I lost you once. I'm not going to lose you again. <laughs> I was going to say more than just infatuation. Shepard respects Ashley. You can hear it in his voice when he says, when I met you on Eden Prime, I saw a woman who never gave up. He respects her not just as, a, as like you should a lover, but as an individual completely and independently apart from him. And I think that's really important. I think it's a really important point to make when you're talking about uh, heterosexual relationships and the way that a man talks to a woman in 2023, that it doesn't, it shouldn't just be about, I, I respect you because I love you. It should be, I respect you because I respect you as an individual. Like I res- he, here he's praising her accomplishments and her tenacity and he's saying it's because of all of those traits that I love you. Yeah. Not the opposite. <sighs> and how many times do we actually, at this point, in 2012, 2007 even, how many times did had we seen romance in sci-fi video games where a male commander openly praises his female love interest and telling her how much he respects her as an individual as part of that love? And she's like equal rank. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, he he talks to her like an equal in that scene. And so I I do like that about this relationship a lot. It's very egalitarian in that way. Uh, It isn't in Mass Effect 1. You know, there's a considerable difference in tone. Uh, But in Mass Effect 3, things change. And I like that that's reflected. So, and then, you know, Shepard tells her that he loves her and I might be mistaken. Please correct me if I am, but she's not the first one to say it, right? Mm, Not directly. (laughs) I love you. Uh, Because in, in the, on Mars, it's, uh, I'm still trying to find the man that I loved. So there's an Mm. implication of that there. Um, But then Shepard says it in the culmination scene. After he says, like, he talks about, oh, you kept fighting, even though you were the last one standing, and he goes through all her accomplishments, and he says, I love you, Ash, it's always been you, and he says it before her, because then she says it at the end beam run I I think, yes, exactly, because she doesn't say it right back, right? So, I think this romance broke the mold, you know, because keep in mind, these games came out at least 11 years ago, and so... You know, hell, there's still people on the internet now who, as sad as it is, will say like, oh, if you're a man and you say I love you first, you're not actually a man. Okay. That guy, whoever says that sounds single as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My husband said it first to me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what? It's too soon. It was like four months into our relationship. And then he's like, you're not supposed to say that. You're supposed to say it back. <laughs> I, I, so I said it first to my girlfriend. 
And you know what? Like, I, I've heard so many men say like, oh, you know, a real man doesn't say I love you first. A real man does whatever the fuck he wants. And well, yeah. and then asks like for, I don't know, feedback after that. But if you feel it, say it. Exactly. Yeah, a real man embraces his feelings and isn't afraid to look like what 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 does it look like if you say I love you first? What does that mean? It's a good thing. And I can tell you the two men that I am one looking at and one married to, they said it first and they're in relationships. Are you guys? Are you guys in relationships? <laughs> We're gonna get an angry letter from a Romanian jail from Mr. Andrew <laughs> Andrew Taint. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh. single now. Yeah, well, he is single as fuck now, isn't he? <laughs> I was trying to remember, and I'm pretty sure Jay said it. Jay said it first too, and yeah, it, love is love is love, and say it when you feel it, but only say it if you feel it, because if you start just throwing <laughs> around like, "Ah, oh, I love you, babe," it's, no, say it with conviction. Say it when you mean it. Oh. Mm -hmm. Words are important. And <laughs> even if you're not good at them, it's okay. I feel I also, like they come in clutch when you meet when you need them the most, and that's what happened with Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. They they there was a slow burn for sure. And maybe that's what I was looking for in the romance. Jen and I have disagreed about the romance of Pan Am and the culmination scene. Maybe that's what I was looking for, that kind of thing. But one thing I definitely do agree with you on as, as it pertains to Ash and Pan Am, Ash would not have left Shepard just as Pan Am wouldn't. Pan Am was the ride or die. Mm -hmm. and, so, and that's the same kind of character that Ash is. So it's unbelievable that Ash would just be like, okay, bye. Yeah. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, she would be fucking yeah. in there. <laughs> She'd be, I don't know, slugging Marauder shields fucking hard as hell. Right? I th yeah. There's no way. Even Garrus is like, we're in this until the end as he's getting like carried off. And I'm like, bitch, no, we ain't. You just left. <laughs> you know what? The the game had a profound lack of hand-to-hand -hand combat scenes with Ash. I don't I can't think of one actually. I mean the Eva Cora scene where she gets her ass kicked, but hmm. Yeah. That is odd. Okay. Right. Uh, uh, even okay so and I've been playing this out in my head like trying to figure out like even keeping the ending the same of like after the beam like you actually go up to the citadel beam if your squatty went with you down that path to marauder shields you could still have the exact same ending with the catalyst but still give me that one more moment where my lover didn't leave my side in the end like yeah i yeah that's the one thing that i would change or it would have been a cool like deus ex machina of when shepherds on the citadel and the elusive man is like seizing control, right? Of of Shepard's body. And Shepard's got the gun held up at Anderson like that and can't move and can't do anything. There's like a bullet over your shoulder that whizzes by and hits the elusive man right in the fucking forehead. And it's Ash. And she's like, I told you I could drill a man between the eyes at a hundred meters. <laughs> that would have been no, a fucking cool ass scene. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That would be awesome. 
I don't know. It would have been like another, this is for Thane, you son of a bitch moment. Like just a, yeah, my team, we got it. You know, I wish we had more of those. But I guess apart from that, did we do it justice for Ash? You know that I am such a diehard Ashley fan. And yes, you did it. You did it justice uh, for sure. Uh, there and and thank you for bringing up that there was such a profound lack of dialogue aboard the ship with Ash. Same with Caden in Mass Effect Three. It's it was one of my greatest laments of the game because you know it's rough and you finally re- reunited and oh can't talk to him. Not really. I mean, there's not really a cutscene, and it's like just throwaway lines here and there for most of the game when you're on the ship, and it's like. And I feel like Ashley got got dicked over way worse, way worse, because Caden, Caden has, you know, some like sexy flirty lines, like next time, wake me up before you leave, like implying that they had that Caden sleeps in the commander's quarters or lines about um, like the quickening. Ashley doesn't get (laughs) a creepy quickening scene. Can you feel that, Shepard? <laughs> oh, Weirds me out so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would have liked a lot more of that, but that's all right. That's life. I guess they tried to make up for it with Citadel, which we're going to get to one of these days. Yeah. In a couple yeah. of months, we'll get to the Citadel date. Yeah, we got some, but we got I, some I, stuff. I think this episode has encouraged me to to redo, like, you know, I've been, I've been doing the the podcast for a couple of years, and I've been doing streams and varying the types of streams and trying to constantly do things, playthroughs of Mass Effect that I haven't done before. I think now I'm going to go back and try and make myself in Mass Effect the same way that I did in my first playthrough, and try and make all the same canon decisions again, just to have my own canon run fresh. Yeah, and. I'll 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 romance Ashley again, and then get to the Citadel, and I'll I'll be ready to talk about it then. <laughs> Aw, let's see. So, is there anything about the Ash romance that you would have changed, or things that would have just made it better? Just more dialogue, I think. That's about it. You know, if there had been more dialogue, more of friendly banter, even if they are trying to keep up the facade. And then more of like, it's really fan servicey, right? But more of of the actual like making long term plans with each other, because it felt a little out of place on the Citadel to be like, I want more. What do you think this is? <laughs> like, of of course you want more. Like, we've almost died together. I don't know how many times. Yeah. Like yeah, at this point, like yeah, I'm not surprised you want more, Shepard. Uh, I don't know. It, it just felt like whatever. But. Oh, yeah, especially like with Garrus, you plan on mm-hmm. adopting babies. With Caden, I think there was a line too about settling down and uh, white picket fencing it. And with Thane, it's implied that you are going to continue having a relationship with Cole yet after this and uh, remembering and honoring that. And so... Yeah, to not have any future plans with Ashley. That does seem... It's weird, because 
it's not that's definitely not like a one night stand kind of romance it doesn't have that kind of vibe the same way Miranda's does like at all or the same way that Jack's renegade path does at all, all so oh yeah with yeah. Tally you do get a, a talk about the future I forgot about that one we haven't and done a serenade that's a good one well that's in Citadel but yeah oh the white picket yeah. fence line is trainer oh okay all right well obviously I've had just about as much tequila as Ashley did with Vegas <laughs> so you know oh Vegas certain shit but I don't know. I feel like Caden and Ashley both just like had, they just didn't get enough attention or something. I don't really know what went on. Like they just didn't, it doesn't feel as fleshed out or as thorough or lengthy as the other ones. It's like, and the, like I said in, or in Caden's episode, the amount of times that both of them can die <laughs> compared to everyone else is like, Byware hated them apparently. <laughs> I don't know. But, I do like Ashley. My opinion on her has changed so dramatically since we started this podcast. I really did not like her when I just was playing the game as a casual noob before I started analyzing her as a person. So I, well, I like you know, her a lot. If you started as Femship, I kind of don't blame you because we and we've talked about it before mm-hmm. that so much of character development is locked behind romance. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a shame. I mean, not for us, because we get to talk about all the juicy stuff, but it is kind of a shame. You you feel like you're missing out on things when you have to make your choice, which is why we should just all be polyamorous in games. <laughs> <laughs> Romance, everyone. There's there's so many details about Caden, about Garrus, about other romances for Fimshep. There's so many details about those characters that I learned secondhand not through having played the games myself mm-hmm. because I didn't romance them as Fimship. Yeah. And like, I remember when, when we, when all this started and you convinced me to do an Ashley run, you were like, keep Ashley alive to see how, you know, she changes so much in three. And I did. And I still didn't really like her by the end of Mass Effect three. And I was like, I still don't understand this, Sam. I I must like Caden just a lot more. And then I realized I didn't like her because I did a femship run and kept her alive. Mm. And yeah. then I was like, oh, if I had gone through and even not even if I had romanced her, but sometimes just the flirty dialogue will allow you to get access to more conversation more different play more different dialogue options um mm-hmm. and then just not lock in but so i don't know i'm just gonna have to play it all over again and i'll go with the another 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 bro run i, I have too <laughs> many playthroughs going right now Ugh, we I all have job stopped. security um do you have any final thoughts about ashley or mass effect at large sam uh just ashley She's she's my ride or die. <laughs> she's my uh what what did how did I describe Pan Am before Battlefield Angel? Yeah, that's that's Ashley. And yeah, if people want to get a hold of me, uh, or if they want to see my Twitch streams, I'm streaming Neutral Shepherd, which has been <laughs> a weird trip. Uh, I can only choose neutral options. No Paragon or Renegade. I miss all dialogue or all uh, yeah dialogue interrupts. 
not doing any optional miss- missions at all. It's I'm eight hours into Mass Effect 2, and I've already passed Horizon and recruited Tally. <laughs> I am very close to the Reaper IFF eight hours in. Uh, so this is going to end terribly for Jerry Shepard. Uh, but if you want to see that stream, you can come by my Twitch channel at N7TheLegend, same handle on Twitter. So I just laughed. I, I saw that you named him Jerry, but it didn't really hit me that I'm like connecting it with Jerry from Brick and Morty in my head <laughs> of how lame Jerry is. Yeah, bend your knees, Jerry. <laughs> perfect, perfect name for that playthrough. All right. No one's going to care about him. He hasn't done a single loyalty mission. He's not going to unless he has to. No one's going to give a shit about him. Everyone's going to fucking die. I got to keep one person alive at least to save me at the end because I need to import him to Mass Effect 3. So, (laughs) Um, Grunt is pretty hard to kill. Yeah, I can imagine. But I didn't wake him up because that's optional. That's right. That's optional. (laughs) (laughs) You are screwed, dude. I don't think I'll be waking up Legion either. No. Neutral. I didn't recruit Kasumi. Going to the Citadel is completely optional. <laughs> you don't actually have to go. I've so you're never not a spectator either. a game like that before. This is this is like <laughs> destroying everything I knew about Mass Effect playing like this. I feel like it's gotta be hard, like knowing what you're missing and just choosing to miss it. I don't know. I feel like the seasoned drug user where I need the harder stuff to get a high now. <laughs> so now and like and for me, that means doing things that are, are increasingly more painful as choices in Mass Effect. You gotta oh, feel man. something, man. Sam too, has I'm turned to Mass Effect Next thing we know, he's gonna need a car battery attached to his nipples in order to play the damn game. That's oh the equivalent God. of watching Jerry Shepard try and like reason his way out of situations by being neutral and not doing any Paragon or Renegade like speech checks. Did you see? I don't know if anyone, if if anyone's listening and they haven't seen the neutral option of when you're trying to save Morden's assistant, but you oh. walk in and the Batarians are like, "Back up, or we kill your friend," and then they like load their gun. And then the neutral option with Shepard is basically, he's not my friend. <laughs> it's like, and then they fucking kill him. <laughs> and it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, technically the truth. Yes, he's not your friend, but goddamn, dude. <laughs> oh, I was there for that. That was a good moment. I was not expecting the poor kid to die, but that's where we are with neutral Shepard. So please go check out N7 The Legend on Twitch, Twitter, and all the places. Of course, we will put all of your plugs in our show notes. Um, We'll save the plugging for the end. Yes. Yes, we (laughs) will. And I will wrap it up right now just to make sure that everything is nice and safe. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or give us a rating on Spotify. And hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want more of me, you can find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-hosty, Toasty, where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And of course, in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. 
Come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash two girls one ship. If you sign up before 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Friday, February 24th, you can join us to play Fuck, Marry, Kill, Spin the Wheel, Bioware Edition. I created Squadmate Wheels for Mass Effect, Dragon Age, and one all combined. I spin the wheel of your choice, and then you have to put those three people into their FMK categories. It's gonna be fun! And remember that you have to type out the full link. You can't search for us. I'll make sure that a direct link is also in the description. It's gonna be great fun. And I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well, and on our own Two Girls One Ship Discord server, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30pm Eastern Time, 7.30pm Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember... Swooping.